What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name is John, and this is r slash Tales from the Squad Car. There's not a lot of these stories that get put out very often, but uh, I figured we had enough on there that I could do probably one this week and maybe one the week after. And, uh, yeah, some of them are pretty interesting. Some of them are funny. And uh, I like to check in with this subreddit once in a while. Pardon the painted on t-shirt. Been doing some chores around the house today and wanted to stop and record an episode and suck up a little air conditioning uh, before I go back out. I figure why not record an episode while I'm in here cooling down. Oh yeah, cat. I know I got got a couple people commenting that they were missing the, the cat uh, appearances in some of my last few videos. Well, I was in Florida. While my mom does have a cat, the cat rarely makes an appearance anywhere during the day. So, uh, yeah, I didn't get any shots of her. But there's Nickel sunning himself in the window, feeling good, a little pissy because I kicked him out of his chair here. So, all right, let's get to the stories. Karen, don't stop. And this is from the officer point of view. Not sure where this goes, but, well, I had to respond to a Karen incident a few months back. But today, the case finally ended, and I can discuss the matter in full. I usually find these stories from the person being accosted by the Karen and the cops being called. Today, though, I was on the other end of the call. I was working as a police officer and got a call to the airport where a vehicle struck a pedestrian near the terminal. It was just after sunset. When I arrived, several people were around a man being tended to by medical personnel as he had been run over. The man was in severe pain and obvious distress as it was noticeable that he had broken bones and would have to go to the hospital. I won't go into details, but it was easy to see much of his injuries. Ugh. He was wearing a blue and white jacket with reflective patches on the arms. This detail comes into play later on. The man was lying in a raised speed bump, a striped crosswalk with signage and lighting. This also comes into play later. I was pointed to a white SUV that had pulled into the pickup lanes along the curb. Many people told me that it was the vehicle that ran the man over. Another group was confronting a woman sitting in the white SUV. The woman, who had the typical attitude of a Karen, was tearful and acting as if she was upset. Still, during that time, I watched her load her passenger, greeting her friend with a hug and a smile after I approached the woman and took her ID as she didn't have a license. After getting the ID, I ran the check on Karen for wants and warrants with a history check on her license. Note from later in the investigation, come to find out later on, with no surprise to me, she was suspended with no license from a list of charges that she had warrants for, including driving while intoxicated sometimes. A couple of hit-and-run charges, no insurance, and other driving violations. I discovered that drug possession charges came from driving drunk and one of the hit-and-runs, so just an upstanding citizen from the start for this Karen. Back to the story. Karen, who was playing tearful, asked why I needed her license. I told her I'd be writing tickets, at least, and concluding the traffic incident. At this time, I was unsure how much of a Karen I was dealing with and still thought it was mostly an accident. Well, the tears disappeared and Karen came out pulling out her phone and recording me, shouting that I was writing tickets and harassing an older woman for no reason, blah, blah, blah. When the crowd began to yell at her again, she turned away from me to them and argued. I approached the group and asked them to stop arguing, as it wouldn't help her cause or cause more issues. Many of them were upset with her and wanted to argue, but stood back and recorded her instead, causing the Karen to try arguing with them. About this time, I was approached by a young man in his late teens who said he had something to show me. Pulling out his phone to a video, he was waiting for his family to come in and happened to catch the man being run over. The video started with him recording the doors from the upper level of the garage. 
You see the man in his blue and white jacket begin across the road in the marked crosswalk with the indicator lights flashing and was about halfway across before Karen flew around the road and up the curb. She ran the man over without brake lights or slowing down before pulling into her current spot. Nothing was blocking her view of the man. I had the young man send me the video to my work email and write out a statement of what he saw. After seeing this, I realized that it was more than just a simple accident and noted I still didn't know about Karen's history. I changed tactics and approached her, giving her notice of her constitutional rights, known as Miranda warning, that everyone knows. They remain silent, have lawyers present, and don't have to make a statement speech that is read when we ask about a crime, and they're not free to leave. Well, Karen does as Karen does and never shuts up. As it had been on, my body cam was running along with Karen, still recording on her phone. Me, so what happened today with you running over the man? Karen, I didn't run him over. He wasn't even on the road. I didn't see him, so he must be faking it. Me, uh, no, he got run over and all the witnesses saying you were the one that hit him. Karen, no, I didn't see him. I came here to pick up my friend, as she pointed to her passenger. Me, okay, what did you see if you didn't see him? Karen, I was looking for my friend on the curb to pick up and was texting her, asking her where she was. Me, so the man who was hit wasn't standing in the crosswalk when you drove over it? Karen, no, no, he wasn't. I don't know where he came from. Like I said, officer, yeah, what is your name and badge number? Anyway, you're stopping me from leaving and I want your badge number and name. Me, Sergeant OP and badge is 1234. Not my badge number for this story. Now what happened to the front of your car? Karen, holding her phone to my chest badge, repeats my name and badge number and asks, Have you seen my history? You took my license and haven't returned it. You must see that I've never seen an officer not know what they're doing as much as you. You aren't doing your job. There must be real criminals to bother, but no, you harass an older woman picking people up at the airport. You must be really proud of yourself. Me, are you going to answer my question? I redirect her back to the questions. Karen, no, I don't have to, and I want a female officer. I don't trust you. You're trying to harass me as I'm a woman, and you're a man. As she didn't want to answer any further questions, I told her we would be leaving together shortly. I went to the crowd and asked if there were any other witnesses to the events. About a dozen hands went up, and all started talking at once. I then asked whether any others had video of the footage. Now while many hands went down, I still had a few. I was able to see the man being hit from many angles, with statements from the witnesses and the man being rushed to the hospital. I had the license returned, informing me of Karen's long list of problems and warrants. I had another few officers show up, including the only female on duty for my shift. We went back up to Karen, whose phone went back up. Karen, why are there so many of you? You think you're going to intimidate me, huh? Well, I have all your jobs then. Me. Nope, you're under arrest. Pulling out my handcuffs, Karen started to scream and yell. And when we went to place her in the handcuffs, she pulled away and began to fight. Pulling her arm away from us and screaming, no, over and over like a child. After the short struggle, she was placed in the patrol car's back seat to be taken to jail. Karen's passenger started arguing with officers that we needed not arrest Karen and that we didn't know what we were doing. Having herself involved allowed officers to get her name with no surprise. She had a warrant and got her a pair of metal bracelets with a free trip downtown. With her SUV towed, it was found she had a dash camera. It was seized and searched with a warrant, and Karen was served with a copy in jail. The on-scene incident concluded, and the report was written, about five months before the court happened. The victim had to come to testify along with six of the witnesses. They all gave the same story of how Karen just ran him over. The video footage showed the different views along with CCTV of the crosswalk, making it a well-rounded story. Through her court-appointed attorney, Karen tried to argue that she hadn't seen the man since he jumped in front of her car in dark clothes, Photos and videos prove that to be a lie. She then argued that he wasn't visible since it was dark and he wore dark clothing. Nope, 
Yet again, he was in blue and white with a reflective jacket, and the area was covered in lights. As she had admitted to texting while driving on a body cam, she tried to argue that she wasn't distracted. The dash camera was probably the most damaging to her case. The video shows what's happening in front of the car and inside the vehicle with audio, speed, and location. The video from the dash cam shows her on her phone the entire time, not looking up as she was going 45 miles per hour, oh my god, in a 15 mile an hour zone. It shows the victim already in the crosswalk. She hits the crosswalk hump and the man with him screaming in pain. This finally got her attention and she said, Oh please, I didn't hit you that hard, as she pulls in to pick up her friend. Calling her friend before saying, Hey, hurry out here, I hit a guy who's acting all hurt, so we need to go. She continues the conversation before people start surrounding her vehicle and yelling at her. Needless to say, the judge wasn't pleased with Karen. Jail time of 24 months with the 5 months already served to count, plus ordered to pay for damages and fines. Karen was also in civil court as she had no insurance for the man's hospital bill. This was finally concluded with this story allowing me to publish. Testimony in civil court allowed me to talk with the victim. He had one leg broken in a few different places, a concussion, and several bruises. He's been recovering and healing and returning to his normal self. Talk about clueless, delusional, arrogant, all the above, and just a straight up liar. There are just some really horrible human beings out there. It's amazing to me how many there really are out there that will do things, be at fault, be distracted, always doing the wrong thing, and it's always somebody else's fault. I don't know. Well, good for you, officer. I'm glad, uh, and good for that crowd. I'm glad everybody stepped up and was willing to be witnesses and had actual footage along with the CCTV. Witness testimony is great, and it's pretty damning. She probably still would have got charged in court, but there's nothing like videos, especially the one from her own car. That had to be just fantastic showing that back to her. Of course, I'm pretty sure she probably still denied it even after seeing her own video with her own voice doing what she did, but what are you going to do? Crazies are going to crazy. Another one from an officer. Strangest hot pursuit ever. My brother's a cop and he loves to retell this story because it's his strangest pursuit story ever. He pulls over a car for expired tags, finds out the suspect has warrants, tries to start an arrest, suspect takes off. My brother gets in his car and goes after him. Suspect takes a hard right turn into a dirt road and his car ends up flipping. The suspect crawls out and begins running down the dirt road. My brother's following him in his squad car. Here's the thing. Both sides of this long dirt road have razor wire to keep the farmer's cattle from getting out. So imagine this. You're in your squad car, a Ford Explorer. It's summer. It's hot. You're in your AC in your car, and you're following a suspect who's running from you on foot. No one's around. What do you do? Well, my brother decided he'd simply sit in his car and follow the guy. He knew the road was like five miles long, and all those five miles had razor wire, so he knew the suspect had a choice. Keep running down the road followed by a police car. Jump the fence and get cut up, in which case the Ford Explorer my brother was in would be more than capable of doing a bit of off-roading. Or give up. At about one and a half miles, the suspect stopped, turned around, stuck his hands up, and collapsed from exhaustion. My brother got out of the car, arrested the suspect, propped him up on the side of the Explorer, and gave him some water as backup arrived. By the time backup arrived, they asked, what happened? My brother explained it, and everyone laughed their asses off. On the way to the police station, my brother said, you know you ran a lot farther than I thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> the suspect said, F you. My brother chuckled and said, you were getting close to two miles. <laughs> That's funny. I would love to have been a little birdie on the dashboard of that car. Oh my gosh. You know, even if there was no razor wire on both sides, what makes this guy think that he's going to get away? He may get away that day. I've seen that happen. 
But ultimately, he left evidence behind in the car, whether it's DNA, fingerprints, or maybe it was his car with his registration. Who knows? Um, he, they saw his face. He's on camera. Eventually, he will get caught. And I don't understand why the why people feel the need to run like they're going to get away with something. It never happens. They always get caught eventually. And I would have been exactly the same way. I would have been sitting in my car in the AC just tootling along behind the guy. Gotta have a little fun on your job, right? Here's one from a suspect. You know your dad's going to make you spend the weekend here, right? When I was a teenager, I supplied alcohol and some weed to a house party. Things went south and I got arrested. We also had a family friend who worked for the same department that arrested me that knew me very well. We'll call the family friend John. So it's Friday around 10 p.m. and I'm arrested, getting processed, getting put into the holding cell. Apparently John saw my name or heard me or something. Basically he found out I was arrested by his department. By this point I had been told I was going to be released to my parents and I had given the arresting officer my dad's information. Well, John comes to my holding cell and he goes, Bambi, why are you being a dumbass? I shrug my shoulders and he goes, you know your dad's going to make you spend the weekend here, right? I go, yeah, I figure. He smiles. Don't worry, you'll be fine. I then hear him talking to the arresting officer. Arresting officer, trying to get a hold of his dad to come get him. John, his dad ain't coming to get him till Monday. Been friends with him for 10 years. Arresting officer, I'll try again in 30 minutes. I guess he tried again. Arresting officer came to me and said, your dad said he'll come get you Monday after work. <laughs> it was summer. I didn't have school. FYI, I was literally like five miles from my house, but my dad wanted to teach me a lesson. John made it better though. I was told I was going to be transported to the youth jail. That's when John came in and said, let me take Bambi. John was nice enough to not handcuff me and just told me to get in the back of his car. He asked if I was hungry. I said, yeah. We ran through a drive through and explained I wouldn't be getting any food till breakfast and it wouldn't be good. On the way over, John explained what was probably going to happen to me. That as long as I learned my lesson and stopped doing dumb shit, this arrest wasn't going to screw me up. But he hammered home. You're going to need to learn from this or your life will suck. So John gets me to the youth jail. Guards were surprised. I wasn't in handcuffs. John told them I was clean. I was. He asked me and I was honest. So I didn't have to get all the evasive searches, which I was happy about. They just gave me jailhouse clothes. I changed and spent that weekend in jail. My dad came and got me at 4.30 p.m. on Monday. On the way home, he goes, did you get time to stew over your decision? I said, yeah. He said, great. You're grounded for a month. If I have to pay any fines, your allowance is forfeited until I'm paid back. And that's the story of how I spent the weekend in jail. FYI, first and last time I ever ended up in jail. It's not a fun place. Well, OP, I'm glad you learned your lesson. I haven't been there myself either, but I do know secondhand that it's definitely not a fun place. I've heard from correctional officers and inmates alike, or ex-inmates, that, uh, yeah, it's just a rotten, rotten situation to be in. But also, everybody I ever spoke to about it knew that it was their situation, their bad decision-making that landed them there. So, not saying none of them ever made more mistakes and ended up there from poor decision-making skills, but, you know, at least they owned up to that part. Oh, by the way, and I am that type of dad. If one of my kids ends up doing that same dumb shit, they're going to sit and rot for a couple days at least. And while I can appreciate Officer John having some sympathy and not cuffing you and all that stuff, uh, most departments that would get John fired these days. It's a different world today. You know, back when I was a kid in the 80s, um, if you knew a local cop or even if you were, you know, being nice and cooperative, and you'd get your citations and they would drive you home. But in this day and age, that just can't happen. That screws up the court system. It screws up paperwork. It 
it just messes up everything. Although courts are still letting people out at an alarming rate for things that they shouldn't be let out for. And I understand there's overcrowding, but you know, how are people going to learn if you keep letting them out OR? So I don't know. It just pisses me off the way the whole system works, but whatever. Another one from a suspect. Gun running? No, I just like having options. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night, except it was 0600, and I was heading up to New Windsor in New York to play some airsoft. It was chilly, about 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and I had an olive drab hoodie, Marpat camo trousers, bloused around the boots, and a soft shell jacket and khaki in the back seat. Also in the back seat was my chest rig and my battle belt with empty pouches all around, well aside from the Baofeng radio. I had a separate Baofeng in the front passenger seat charging away, connected to my headset that I was going to use that day. In the trunk of my tiny little hatchback was all my weapons for the day. An M16A4, an M249, two ammunition cans with about 10,000 rounds each, a knockoff Pelican case with handguns, magazines, batteries, slings, and other various doodads to enable me to play all day. Everything was going swimmingly as I wound my way up to the New Jersey Turnpike and off on a side highway. Nothing going through my head but the smooth sounds of Metallica. That is until I heard a siren blip that was most definitely not part of Master of Puppets. I checked my rear view to see a local officer with red and blue lights, dazzlingly bright, reflected back. I pulled into the nearest lot, an old and abandoned store parking lot, and waited. He came up to my window not much later, and I found out that I was doing 63 and a 55. Whoops. I suppose he noticed the way I was dressed and the tactical gear strewn around the interior of my car, because he asked me if I had any weapons in the car. I mentioned airsoft and saw him deflate a tiny bit. He asked the normal questions about where I was heading, and why so early, etc. I don't mind answering. It was a 2 hour and 11 minute drive, after all. Well, with the amount of replicas in the car, he did ask if he could take a look to be on the safe side, which I of course let him do. What I didn't expect was being handcuffed outside of my car for officer safety. Oh well, I guess I'm going to be a little bit late for the safety brief. I also didn't expect him to take every single weapon out of the various cases and put them on the hood of his car. By the time he was done, it looked like I was smuggling weapons from a military base or something. Gas mask, goggles, tactical gloves, they were all laid out too. The belt of 10 fake. The belt of 10 fake 556 rounds was out. The ammo cans were on the hood as well. Suddenly, I wasn't even sure I was going to make it to the game at all. He came over to me not much later and uncuffed me. Sorry, like I said, safety. He explained that he just wanted to make sure there wasn't an illegal assault weapon hiding in the pile. And after he was satisfied, he asked if he could take a picture of the various weapons on the hood of his car. I agreed, as long as I wasn't in the picture. Don't need that photo floating around the internet for my boss to find. In the end, he got a cool-looking picture. I made it to the game easily on time, because I'm a dingus and read 0800 instead of 0930 start time, and had a fun time playing. Until the M16 gearbox jammed and the M249 stripped the piston. Gotta say, you know all the terms for your weapons and everything. Please tell me that neither one of you actually said assault weapon. It's not a thing. But anyway, I guess there is such a thing as assault weapons, but... 99.999% of the time, it's not what people think it is. Anyway, that being said, did any of these have the orange tips on them, which are required, I'm pretty sure, in New Jersey and and in New York? Actually, I think a lot of the uh, airsoft fields require those orange safety tips on all your weapons, too, to prove somehow that they're fake or replicas or whatever. Uh, I know a lot of people strip them off, and that's illegal. In my state, it is. It's illegal to take those off. Um, but yeah, it can be a fun sport, but you got to be really careful when, uh, when you're getting pulled over for speeding, it will set most officers on edge a little bit and rightly so, because who knows 
This guy probably figured that you were just an airsoft nut, but he had to make sure and just check, which I can't blame him. I can't blame him for asking, I should say. Uh, you really didn't have to give him permission, but he could have found any number of ways to have you waiting there until he got a warrant to search your car. And you didn't have anything to hide, so letting him do it was kind of a goodwill gesture on your part, so that's good. Anyway, didn't want to get too deep into the legalities of it. I have a lot of problems on both sides of the gun issues here, and uh, this ain't the channel for that. Alright guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. I hope you enjoyed the stories, and if you did, do me a favor. If you're on YouTube here, give us a like, subscribe to the channel, share with your friends. If you're on the podcast format, uh, go ahead and share. And if it gives you the option to do some kind of interaction, liking or rating or reviewing or whatever, do that too if you wouldn't mind. All right, guys. Until the next one, we'll see you.